You're listening to Radio Free Edville. It's Edville on the radio for free. I'm Roy Thomas Padgham, and this is your Edville Gazette, second edition, for Friday, August 7th. UFO sightings skyrocket. Edville area major hub for interstellar travellers. By Edna Farmer. Edville. Well, Dick wrote that subheader to draw in the Area 51 crowd, which is a little cynical, by golly. He also submitted a draft article, but the board rejected it because it got sidetracked on whether the aliens could teach Miss Armbruster down at the clinic a thing or two about rectal probes. But even so, what with the lockdown, people have an awful lot of time on their hands, and they're sleeping all kinds of weird hours, and they're bored out of their heads, poor dears, so it's no surprise that UFO sightings are soaring. We have those nice men at the Pentagon to thank for this, I suppose. They've disbanded their aerospace threat program, but not before posting some grainy old photos guaranteed to light up the true believers. NASA's launching another Mars rover, and now we hear that Jupiter's moons might be teeming with life, which puts the aliens right in our own back 40, doesn't it? But if anyone has inspired people to gawk endlessly up into the night sky, it's that nice Elon Musk. It's not enough that he's saving the world with his electric cars, by golly, but now he's running an old-timey taxi service for US astronauts, complete with splashdowns like we haven't seen since Walter Cronkite, which just warms your heart. I have no idea whether there's intelligent life out there, frankly, but as Mr. Farmer has observed on more than one occasion, there's too damn little of it on the planet. Badger. I've seen the future and it's down in the county. By Dick Badger. Wellington. Well, I was down at the county, that would be Prince Edward County for you out-of-townies. I was down at the county on the weekend to see a guy about a cheap set of snows. Always buy your snow tires on the hottest day of the year. Ed note. And what do you know? Number 33 highways clog thick with convertibles and campers and herds of hipsters churning away on their bikes like they think they're in the fucking Tour de France. So when I finally pull into Wellington, Main Street is clogged even thicker with tourists, yakking about their Chardonnays and their Pinot Noirs, and standing in line at my bud Jimmy's authentic roadside farm stand, baking in the sun until until they're as red as our Jim's overpriced tomatoes. And Jimmy, he tells me everyone's making out like bandits because all these B&B types aren't happy until they've tasted everything edible and Instagrammed all their selfies and emptied their wallets. They're sheep you can fleece every day, he says, and Jimmy knows something about sheep. No comment, says Ed. So when I relate all of this to my wife, she comes at me with, honestly, Dick, where have you been? And what she really means is, If I wasn't frittering away all my spare time down there at the speedway and could somehow extricate my head from my arse, we could be making out like bandits too. Over there in Toronto, they're all in a big swoon about the county again, dreaming about relocating to the countryside and zooming into their Bay Street jobs like the lockdown's going to last forever. So you can see what I'm getting at here. You don't see endless crowds of jet-setters and rubberneckers in Edville. 
touring our cow sheds and our birdhouses, or staring in mindless wonder at our fall colours. But the thing is, you could. <coughs> Farmer. Crickets for your holiday table? By Edna Farmer. London. Well, I've been hearing for a good long while that the future of haute cuisine is bugs, thanks to our enterprising European friends, who are never short of advice on what the rest of us should be doing, by golly. They gave us delicacies like frog's legs and snails and who knows what else, which I have to tell you, I could never abide. I put frog out for the farmer family Thanksgiving once in the 90s, and I'm still hearing about it. Not nearly meaty enough, everyone said. Not even close. But as anyone reading this column knows, farming can be a tough slog. Adapt or die, that's the watchword. Tobacco's as dead as Darwin, but we're growing weed like there's no tomorrow, thanks to that nice Mr. Trudeau. And since we're making a killing, that's called progress. Now, I don't know exactly how we're supposed to farm insects out here in apple and beef country. But now that some folks in London have built the world's biggest cricket processing plant, we're just going to have to grind new grist for the mill. And grind is the key word here, because, as you're likely wondering, all these zillions of insects are going to be converted into protein powder rather than served on the hoof. That way, you won't know you're eating them or feeding them to your goldfish or your in-laws. So I happened to be out to Earl's Farm down on number two highway on the weekend picking up some steaks and I asked him how his farmers understand the difference between these newfangled crickets and old-fashioned cattle and after pondering the matter intently for several minutes he nailed it they're smaller visiting Millie who are Ed and Phyllis really by Abigail Lovely Picton. Aunt Millie called me in a panic on Tuesday. I need Oreos. And don't buy no name. Ed and Phyllis prefer the name brand. Ed and Phyllis? Yes, they're coming for another visit. Ed and Phyllis? I repeat. I'm searching my brain. I come up blank. Are you a parrot? Millie grumbles. Ed and Phyllis. Okay, I'll bring the cookies when I visit. Clearly, Millie's agitated. I'm wondering if she's if I've somehow forgotten this mystery couple. I call my sister. She's as baffled as I am. I call Shady Oaks. Nobody has visited Miss Millie in months other than you, dear, Nurse Alice says. Days later, Alice calls back. I met Ed and Phyllis today, she chuckles. She goes on to explain that the cleaner noticed cookies on Millie's windowsill when she was sweeping up her room. When she asked Millie about why they were there, my aunt motioned for her to sit on the bed and wait. Two minutes later, two birds landed on the sill and began pecking away at the Oreos. Ed and Phyllis are pigeons. Gazette acclaimed for stop sign expose. Pulitzer not out of the question by Dick Badger. Corbon. Well, last week we reported on the phantom stop sign at Purdy and Hurley that was causing drivers to lose their shit when they cruised on through like they'd been doing for decades. And what do you know? Out of the blue, an actual stop sign has appeared, complete with a pavement stripe painted right over the one they blacked out in July. And get this, 
a new sign warning you about the new stop sign, like you're not already slowed to a crawl and anxious as fuck approaching that intersection. So bottom line, we finally got ourselves a new four-way, which doesn't seem like a big deal when you think about it. But the story behind the story is the national media crediting the Gazette with exposing the ineptitude of the deep state and everyone comparing yours truly to Woodward and Bernstein, which is entirely apt, even though it's making it almost impossible for me to stay as humble as I normally am, what with all my TV interviews and now all this talk of book deals. Casting Stones by Dick Badger Edville. Well, every week Artie has to plough through bag after bag of reader mail, but he's a postal worker, so he knows what it means to suffer for the greater good. So this week, a guy sends in a letter saying the reason Edville is a nowhere backwater shithole is because the town name sucks. Okay, so we can't all be Lake Louise or Montremblant or the fucking French Riviera. We've got to play the hand we're dealt. But get this, the guys from Plainville. <laughs> Dear Flies, No Match for Duran Duran by Bertie Bertram. Edville. I was birding in and around the lake last week, admiring the effortless aerobatics of the regal red tails and the frisky frolicking of the wild turkeys. Will it kill you to get to the point, editor? and I ran into Dick's young lad going the other way. We happened to be in the thickest part of the wood, without a breath of wind, so I observed, en passant, that the deer flies are bad this year. And the boy said, I figured out how to vanquish them. Only being Dick's kid, he didn't use the word vanquish. And I said, no way. And he said, yeah. I discovered that if you keep the gazette lit up on your phone while playing Duran Duran, the deer flies land on the screen and they're mesmerized and they go kind of brain dead. And then you can just squash them with your thumb. Only he didn't use the word squash. And what do you know? The boy was right. He really is gifted. So now, when you head out for a nice stroll, you can see all the other hikers and joggers glued to their phones like those teenage zombies in a John Cusack movie. It's definitely a bit of a worry when they're meandering out onto the highway. But on the other hand, no one's getting bit and our circulation is soaring. Whiny Aussie Winemakers Target Canada Feds Flummoxed by Dick Badger Geneva Well, the honest truth is I don't give a crap about wine. And I wouldn't know your best bottle from turpentine, even if I was washing my brushes with it. My wife says when her whiny, tasty friends come over, I tend to go full asshole, which is not a misrepresentation. But someone down in the county told me the Aussies have been eating our lunch for years over there at the WTO. It's one thing if some trade wonk thinks Oz winemakers shouldn't have to pay some niggling excise tax. But when they send in the lawyers to bamboozle the feds into making the Canadians pay the same tax in their own country, that's it. Game on. Now, I know your eyes are already bleeding at the thought of me blathering on here about import duties and the like, but that's not where I'm headed. Where I'm headed is Oz is so fucking hot that half the country is on fire and the other half is a fucking desert. Am I wrong? 
So maybe our message to the Aussies should be, hey, we're out here trying to grow grapes and make wine in the coldest fucking country in the world. And if you can't compete with that, maybe you should think about getting out of the wine biz and learn to code. My Aussie drinking bud, Dirk, says I should lighten up and have another beer. Since we're all friends here, and by the way, last time he looked, no one in Canberra was taking Canadians hostage. Point taken. German patent case triggers chocolate war by Hedy Bunt. Karlsruhe. Yesterday evening, Herr Bunt and I were sipping Jägermeister after a hearty worst dinner when we were struck speechless by a TV news special report. A popular German chocolate company has won the exclusive right to sell square chocolate bars. It's unimaginable. Upon hearing the news, Herr Bunt fell instantly into a deep depression, worried that this precedent would usher in a whole new world of geometrical tyranny. Conical beer cans? Circular schnitzels? Polyhedron pretzels? Where would it end? Once we had recovered our senses, I reminded him that chocolate squares have been around for some time, coexisting peacefully with rectangular and even oval-shaped bonbons. So perhaps this new development was not altogether quite so catastrophic. But he wouldn't have it. Nothing says German creativity like a quadrilateral, he countered. Quite right. There's no arguing with that. Elvis does Norway, but why? By Dick Badger. Oslo. So some Norwegian guy just broke the Guinness World Record for singing Elvis songs. And it got me thinking. It's 2020, for Christ's sake. Why Elvis? And then it hit me. The reason you don't see Sting or Springsteen or Stones impersonators all over the place is these guys are still out there impersonating themselves. This has been the Edville Gazette for August 7th, and I've been Roy Thomas Pageant. Tune in again next week.